Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hello, my fellow travelers. How are my friends doing out there today? Hope everybody is well. Today is Thursday. It's the 30th of September, 2021, and I am squeaking in show number two right at the wire here. I'll get this out for you guys today. It may be a little bit of a shorter show. And what we're going to talk about on the show today is what's going on in Australia, what's going on here in America with all this COVID stuff, what's going on in maybe some other countries. And I guess you could say I'm getting maybe some of my information sort of from boots on the ground. Not that I talked to this guy directly. I did hear another podcast where they had a guy from Australia and he was talking about, oh, this is what we're seeing here. And this was, you know, a a couple of weeks ago. So things have, I'm sure things have changed on the ground there. Let's go ahead and get that contact info. And then we'll jump in with the show. There is the voicemail. You are limited to 90 seconds. You can call it as many times as you want. That number is 206-745-2731. If you would rather record your own audio or if you would rather write an email and have me play the audio for you on the show or read out the email for you, I'd be more than happy to do that. The place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail, spelled P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com. And that's all one word firearmscafe at protonmail.com. If you'd like to check out some of my social media stuff, you can always head over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, and there you'll find all the icons and buttons for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you would like to support the show in a way, in some way, I guess I should say, You can do that either financially or through word of mouth. Let your friends know about the show if you think it's something that they would like. Also, you can go over to my YouTube channel, which is Every Blade of Grass. And the easiest way to do that, if you're already on the the website, just click on the button for YouTube and it'll take you right over there. Check out those videos, interact with them. I'd ask that you could subscribe to them. I know a lot of people have done that and I appreciate that. I thank you very much for doing that. We are growing the channel. It's getting, uh, I'm getting a few more subscribers every week and I have some plans to do a lot more stuff with the channel, especially with the shows. I'm gonna do maybe a little bit of, I guess you'd call it maybe a simulcast and I, I don't know sort of what form that's going to take. I don't know if it will just be a thing of kind of me talking into the camera or if it will, and then I will have things that I'm talking about kind of pop up. Um, Maybe, you know, short video clips. If I can figure out how to do that type of stuff, I'd like to do that. I don't know if it ever get any pop, get popular or anything like that, or if I could get some feedback that way, that would be great. I know people have kind of, I haven't had a whole lot of feedback. In fact, the only Feedback I got recently was from a gentleman who was saying, oh, I, I was playing the show and it, it stopped after the intro. And um, so I sent him a thing back. Unfortunately, I didn't see it until a little bit later, but I sent him a thing back saying, oh, you know, I don't, 
understand. I, I looked and checked everything, but I didn't see anything on my end that would have caused that. But sometimes things can be glitchy. So anyway, that's some of my plans for that stuff. So stick uh, again, thank you for sticking with me. Again, thank you if you've gone over and subscribed to the YouTube channel. I know YouTube, a lot of people are, are uh, not too happy with it, but the reality is there's really no other alternatives. There, there are, but they're so small. With my YouTube channel, it's pretty eclectic. I have tons of stuff on there. It's not just like gun stuff. It's, it's, uh, although you, it's getting harder and harder to even put that stuff up without them banning you. But I have, you know, home improvement and, you know, just pretty much anything that kind of strikes my fancy type stuff over there. All right, enough of that stuff. Let's talk a little bit uh, about Australia and what's going on over there. And this is just uh, some of my observations, but holy cow, it seems like that people are kind of getting fed up, that people are going out to the streets. I've seen several videos of where they'll have anywhere from a small number of police, meaning maybe probably 15 to 20 of them, up to probably a couple of hundred. I saw things where people were having rifles pointed at them. Uh, I don't know if they were using non-lethal or less than lethal ammunition at the time or not, but man, things have gotten out of hand. You know, a lot of times when you think about, uh, especially here in the United States, when we think about, well, what are countries that are pretty similar to us? Uh, you know, especially if we're going to say, well, you know, language and a little bit of culture and how we sort of view things. And in my opinion, you know, a lot of people would have said, England, oh, you know, England, of course, you know, we, we have a lot in common with them. And we do, but they, they also have a very different culture than, than we do. And, and so does Australia I, in, in a way. However, if you were to have gone back and looked at Australia probably 15, 20 years ago, let's say, so right at the start of the 2000s, and then if you would have gone back and, you know, we would have been pretty, pretty similar. But then if you would have gone back, let's say another 15 to 20 years, let's say you go back into the deep into the 80s, man, Australia and America were a lot alike. We had, there was a lot of Oh, uh, how do I want to say it? There was a lot of that sort of that sense of individualism uh, that you go out and kind of make it on your own type thing. And it seems that especially in the last few years in Australia and in the United States, we're seeing a lot of that is, is, is starting to erode. That idea of you should be an individualist and you should fight for your freedoms and you should have a country that's based on a set of freedoms that your government is committed to to protecting and 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 that your government should be there to protect the individual as much as it is to protect the mob so to speak to protect the horde or the herd however you want to say it and unfortunately we were seeing in both our countries that has been Sorry, there, guys, I kind of lost my train of thought. I had a text that I had to take real quick. Anyway, I was talking about, you know, that things are being kind of winnowed away and, and whittled away, you know, bit by bit. And especially in Australia where they, they've, 
And, it, and again, it's the same here. We see it in England. We see it in a lot of other countries where a more of a, oh, I don't know, um, oh, what would we call it? Well, sorry guys, once again, I'm, I'm getting inundated with text right now, unfortunately. So let me see if I can regroup my thoughts. All right, I think I've kind of got some of that business taken care of. Man, I just was getting hammered there. Wham, wham, wham. Anyway, it, it, it's only been like two seconds for you, but it's been quite a bit of time for me. So I was talking about, and I may edit some of this stuff out. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it in <laughs> just for kind of a, maybe it'll humanize me. You won't think I'm such a monster. Anyway, was talking about, you know, in Australia that a lot of the, in Australia and also in uh, the United States and other countries as well, that the press has sort of come in and really over the past, probably I'd say 15 to 20 years, has done a, a huge propaganda job. But what I wanted to focus on was maybe a little bit between the differences, again, between Australia and between America. And like I said, you know, we have a lot of things that are very, very similar in our cultures. Yeah, there are things that are different, but I think we have probably more similarities as a, as a people on a whole and as a people that would, would strive to be free would strive to have a country that values you as an individual. And unfortunately, we're seeing that that is being slowly taken away from us all, all over the world. But I was really taken aback by what I saw over us what I saw going on over in Australia. What, how I saw that the police were treating them, how I saw that they were basically going from door to door. One of the things that I'd mentioned earlier was that I had heard an interview of a guy who was from Australia and he was talking about what was going on over there. And there, there was a little bit of a hyperbolic nature as far as some things being reported on how, you know, oh, everybody over there has to have a cell phone and they have to report into the government if they if they page you or, or or text you within 15 minutes and if they and if you can't show them where you are either through location services or through maybe a, a photo you have to take of showing where you're at and sending it into them that the police are going to be come out and they're going to start to investigate and if you're not there they're going to look to either arrest you or fine you and some of that stuff has been going on, but what he had said, and this was from a couple of weeks ago, was that, oh, that was taking place, but it, at the time, it was only taking place if you had tested positive for COVID. So that, not that it makes it any better, but it wasn't just random people that they were calling up and doing this stuff with. But even with that, imagine, imagine that you're sort of at the beck and call. And I know that their, their government, how they work and, and their laws are, are different than ours. Uh, but again, we're seeing tons of people out there are having enough. 
and they're saying, you know what, this, this is going too far. But what's sad, and again, I want to draw some similarities, because people a lot of times say, oh, that can't happen here. You know, they, we didn't get all our guns taken away. And that was another thing that I kind of got a little bit of an education on some of the gun laws, not everything over there. And I don't know the gun culture over there. But this guy was talking about during the, the interview, he was saying, well, you, you can own guns. It's rather difficult. He said, you're never going to get any type of a carry permit. That's just not going to happen. Uh, but you can own guns and in order to do that you have to be part of a gun club and it, at this point he they had kind of switched over to uh, something else one of the questions i had because I've, i know in some other countries that you can own a gun but usually those guns have to stay at the gun club they're maintained in an armory or a locker or something like that over there so i don't know if that's the case in australia or or not or if Maybe the ammunition has to be stored there. I'm not sure. And I could probably Google it and look it up, but I'm a little bit lazy right now. But if anybody out there lives in Australia, I would love to, even if you're not, let's say, maybe a big gun owner, but you, you kind of like listening to the show, let me know how things go, how it would go on out there for you to be able to get a gun. And again, he had gone over some of the basic stuff that, you have to, I think, jump through some hoops and then you're able to have one, but then you have to be a, a part of a gun club. If you sort of live out in the country or if you're a farmer, you could have certain firearms. He didn't go into detail with what they were, whether those would be maybe something like a double barrel shotgun or a single shot shotgun or maybe a pump shotgun. Maybe you're limited to two or three rounds. You know, I, again, I don't know. He said, though, that it, you could not just own a gun if your reason was self-defense. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what would happen to you if, let's say, somebody broke into your house and was stabbing your child and you happened to have a firearm at the home and you shot that person dead with that. Would you go to prison? You know, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the self-defense law is there. Would you be in more trouble? If you end up shooting a person who was, again, we'll, we'll go with the, the example of somebody who was stabbing your child as opposed to you smashed him in the head with a cast iron frying pan and it fractured his skull and, and killed him stone dead on the spot. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm always taken aback to that. There was a, a little four panel uh, illustration or cartoon or whatever you want to call it, comic, where it showed a guy, there was two men, well, actually, there was three people. There was two men that were standing, and they were standing over a body. And in, and in each thing, it's the exact same drawing, except what one of the guys is holding is different. And in the first one, he's holding uh, like a club, and it says, you know, you you beat that guy to death? What's wrong with you? The second one, he's holding a knife. It says, you stab that guy? What's wrong with you? The third one is he's got like a rope or something. It says, you strangled that guy? What's wrong with you? And in the last one, he has a, a handgun. And the guy says, you shot that guy. Oh, we need to act gun control. We need more gun laws. 
you know, that type of thing. So again, it's a lot of times it's uh, government uh, again doesn't really seem to be concerned with death or murder or attacks unless it's used with a certain implement or tool, I guess we could say. Uh, so anyway, kind of getting back to that thing, I, I don't know. I am glad to see some people are starting to rise up out there and they're starting to demonstrate. And of course, what they did, the government has sort of doubled down and they're saying, like, look, we're going to, if you're out there protesting at all, we're going to come and we're going to, and if we find you and if we can identify you, we're going to charge you. It was some crazy amount, like $5,000 or something like that. I don't know what that would be in, in U.S. terms. So it would take approximately an Australian dollar is worth about 70 cents approximately, which I think is around like a dollar, what would that be? Like a dollar 30, something like that, right around in there probably for, uh, if, if you were in Australia, it would take you a dollar and 30 some odd cents to equal a US dollar. So. You know, a $5,000 fine would probably be, what, around like $4,500 or something like that? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, again, the draconian measures. Then you have other countries, other people. And you also have uh, people are saying, man, these guys are really overreaching. And people often say, well, that can't happen here. That won't happen here to us in the United States. But... We, you know, we've seen if we if we go back into our past and we look at you don't have to go back too far to where we see what the police are actually willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And when they think that they're in control and when they think that they have public opinion on their side. And we see that our justice system is also swayed heavily by political opinion and threat of unrest we saw the whole thing with the um, with the George Floyd thing. We saw it, and we've seen it uh, in the past. Now, again, let's. I don't want to make any judgments. I have my opinions on that thing. I think, and I guess we will, we'll go a little bit down into the rabbit hole. We'll stick our head in there a little bit. I think the police, the police, excuse me, botched that thing. And I think whether or not you think there were medical issues or this or that that sort of exacerbated the situation. They should have just stuffed him in a car and instead of kneeling on him and just keeping him on the street and giving him a little bit of street justice. You know, you could, uh, again, they could have just stuffed him in the car and let the guy flail around. But I think, well, like I said, I don't want to go too far down in there. But what we saw was with all the, there was legitimate protests, but there were also legitimate riots and destruction. We saw the takeover of police stations and the takeover of parts of cities where they were basically, in theory, you could say they were no-go zones if they thought you were a certain person. Probably you could have walked around down in there, but once you're in there, you're, you know, what are you going to do if, some, if somebody who's quote-unquote in charge of, of that area what would you do if like five or six of them came up and and they were armed a lot of them were armed not all of them but a lot of them were or if they just have uh, 
disparity of force over you if you had gone into that area. Well, there's no protection. There's, you know, police and fire and ambulance and, and stuff like that weren't going in there. They had to be allowed to be let in. Uh, and so we, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, we, you know, we, we, we uh, can't have that. You know, we here in America, that's not going to happen to us. But it, it happens. It happens in, in little kind of, oh, microcosms. Is that the right word that I'm looking for maybe? Where we see these things, it doesn't happen through the whole nation. You know, America, when we think about it, a lot of times people don't realize. And, and when we live here, we just think, ah, it's America. You know, I can... If I want, you know, for when I, me living in Arizona, if I want, shoot, I can drive to New York. It doesn't matter. It might take me a little bit, but I can drive there. It's not a big deal. But we forget just how vast and how big and how many people are in America and how many big cities are in America. You know, maybe it's not a city the size of, oh, what's a big city? Like London or something like that. You know, London's a big city. But, you know, cities like New York, Chicago, even where I am in the Phoenix area, the Phoenix area, when you combine all the cities, is the fifth largest city in the United States. And, uh, you know, you look at places like, you know, in California, you have these gigantic, sprawling, you know, uh, urban cities and urban centers, centers is what I meant to say. And these cities that are just, you know, these behemoths. But, you know, we saw, you know, getting back to kind of overreach you know we saw that in Katrina when the when the chips get down the first thing that the police want to do is they want to round every you know have everybody stay inside they don't want anybody to have any guns they want to come and round up the guns we saw them do that in Katrina we saw them use National Guard and they had no problem doing it so people that say well you know there's enough police that are good guy police and they and there are enough of the, you know, the military or National Guard. I know the, the, the National Guard and the military are different. And they have different uh, missions and objectives and things like that. But people say, look, there's, if, if they ever decided that they were going to use the police, enough of them uh, would say no, they wouldn't go door to door. Well, I think they would because they've shown in the past that, that they were willing to do it and that they did do it. We see in certain states and in certain cities in this country we see there are draconian gun control laws where the police are more than willing if they find you with a 22 and 100 rounds of ammunition to put you on the news and say that you've got an arsenal that you had hundreds of rounds of ammunition where when you had a box of 500 or something like that of 22 for you know for plinking so anyway, um, kind of getting back to we shouldn't really think that we here in America have it so much better than we than people in Australia do. And in one way you can you can say that, but we're on a very thin line and especially with the people that we have in office right now, boy, they the, the current administration is looking to enact as much control as possible. And this, what's said about the other side, the Republican side, have been, they're starting to, oh, I don't know, maybe stand up a little bit. But it's like I've talked about on previous shows. 
the Republicans really only seem to stand up and fight when, when it's okay for them to lose, if you know what I mean. So if they, if they go forward and they push for things, and then it doesn't happen, they can say, boy, we really struggled and we fought and we went hard, but we just didn't have the numbers. We just didn't do it. And, but if we had had the numbers, we could have got this thing or we could have stopped this or we could have done this or we could have done that. And so what, what's, what's happened now, and, and of course the reverse is, is not true. When they do have the numbers, when they do have the power, when they do have the ability to get stuff through, they don't do anything. It's never the right time. And so what that's left us with, and I never thought I would really say this, but thank goodness we've got somebody like a Kirsten Cinema in the Senate. Thank heavens we've got somebody like Manchin in there who is like, if you look at somebody like Manchin, I think that the party can't really do too much to him. They can't put too much pressure on him because I think his district is locked up, meaning that the people that are going to vote for him are going to vote for him no matter what. And I think out here, I think there are a lot of, in Arizona, there are a lot of Republicans and a lot of independents who are going to um, take a hard look at her when it comes to re-election for her in 2024, I think is when she's going to be up for re-election. We've spoke before about Mark Kelly, who is the uh, the senator that took over uh, McCain's spot, basically, who, when the election came up, he beat McSally. But that guy is not somebody who is going to stand up. That guy is not somebody who is uh, going to, at least right now, make a lot of noise or, or protect Arizonans. And in a little bit larger kind of reach of the umbrella that they have, if they're kind of protecting people out here and saying, no, we're not going to impose these, you know, crazy tax laws. We're not going to end the filibuster. Now, Kelly did not stand up at all for any of that stuff. He went right along like a good little soldier. He did what he was told. And in fact, I got, uh, I had written to him about, in both to cinema about the Chipman thing. Of course, Chipman has been withdrawn, but I tell you that Mark Kelly, he never, he never takes an opportunity, or he never misses an opportunity. That's, I guess that's how I should say it. To let you know, I was in the military, I was in combat, and I was an astronaut. So I'm this great dude, and, and don't, you know, I'll, I'll protect you. You know, I fought for you once, I'll fight for you again. I fought for you in combat, I'll fight for you again. But again, the guy's, he, he's going to do whatever the party tells him to do. And the form letter that I got back from him, you know, I was saying, you know, please do, you know, take a hard look at Chipman. He is not a person. He's an advocate. He is not somebody that we want in running an agency. Uh, and of course, this guy, his wife is Gabrielle Giffords, who got shot and uh, uh, back in, I think it was 2011, down in, uh, I think it was down in Tucson. I think I, I could be mistaken on that. But of course, the guy is, he's going to be a super gun control advocate and activist. You know, she, uh, they've headed up the group called Giffords, which is a gun control group. And this is the guy who we have as our senator. 
So it's, it's going to be a real uphill battle if we don't give him the boot in 2022 uh, here, so coming up in next year. I think, though, Biden is such a, a bumbling boob. You know, we had, we had our, our uh, in Trump, we had, again, a bombastic boob, and now we've got a bumbling boob. He, he comes off, he doesn't really come off, um, and I'll switch back to Biden here. He doesn't come off as a smart guy. And in fact, I've talked to some people that are sort of lifelong Democrats, and they're just like, boy, you know, I was really, I'm disappointed in Biden. He wasn't the powerful figure that I thought he was going to be. And, uh, you know, but of course they're going to, they'll, they'll vote for whoever is, uh, whoever has a D on their name. Uh, it doesn't matter to them. All they know is all they know is team. Either team R is up or team D is up, and I can only ever vote for team R or team D, which is sad. Uh, sad for on on both sides. Do I want to circle back around to the whole thing about kind of national guard and coming in? Uh, again, the a lot of times people will say, well, and we'll maybe kind of finish up with that. A lot of times people will say. The military won't. There will be enough people who will quit. I don't know. Even if 10% of the people quit, like we're seeing a lot of people quit because they don't want to get the, uh, the shot, would, those same, would that same amount of people quit because they wouldn't want to go home to home? If fighting broke out, are they going to see the person who's shooting at them? Right? As, oh, this person... You know, I understand why they're shooting us. I understand why they're fighting because, you know, we're coming into their homes and we're, you know, we're basically uh, doing things that are unconstitutional. Or are they going to be, hey, this dude's shooting at us. Let's, we're going to kill him. You know, you don't shoot at me. You don't shoot at us. If you do, you die because we're the, you know, and that's the job of the military. That's what you do if you're in the, you're, you're there to go out and basically at the end of the day, you're there to crush the enemy. You're there to kill the enemy. In theory, our military is there to protect us. The military is never supposed to be used against Americans, ever. So anyway, I, I, don't, I guess I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. I know that there are a lot of people in the military who would quit. There are a lot of people who would maybe stay in and try and turn things around if they could. I know that there are a lot of people who would refuse certain orders. I know as far as if we go back into law enforcement, I know that there are, here comes a big old dump truck. Um, I'm gonna wait a second here till this thing goes by. I know that there are a lot of people who are sheriffs and sheriffs are supposed to be sort of our last line of defense from a law enforcement standpoint. And I saw a interview that this, not an interview, I saw a speech that this lady was given and she was doing a really good job. And she was talking about, look, the sheriffs are the last, there goes this stupid thing again. Hold on. It's gonna drive up and down the street, I guess. The sheriffs are the last bastion for you and I as the citizen to be able to protect us from other law enforcement agencies and other overreaches by the government, by state and local governments. 
primarily state and local governments. This is who the sheriffs would, would be to, to protect you. And that's because you've elected them and they have, so they're supposed to have your best interest in heart. And that what she was talking about was, look, what you can do for your sheriff is you can take that thing back. You can get that office back and you can put somebody in there who is for the people, who is for the individual. So anyway, I know it's been a little bit of a rambling show. I kind of had a lot of distractions today. <laughs> uh, so hopefully I can edit it down to where it, maybe it will be somewhat entertaining. You'll hear some of my, my uh, distractions here that I'll, I'll leave those in. So anyway, I would love to hear from you guys. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think is coming up on the, on the horizon. Let me give you those numbers again. The area, the, uh, excuse me, the voicemail is area code 206-745-2731. You are limited to 90 seconds. Call it a million times if you want. The email address is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. I am looking forward to hearing from you, and I will talk to you guys next time.
I'm not gonna get home.